The final words of Jesus on the cross were, It is finished. Las últimas palabras de nuestro Señor Jesucristo en la cruz fueron, Consumado es. And tonight as we come to the communion table, I want us to reflect for a few moments on the significance of those words. Quiero esta noche que reflejemos un momento sobre el significado de estas palabras. Consumado es. Three words that spell the entirety of the finished work of Christ. Tres palabras las cuales contienen la, uh, la entera obra de nuestro Señor Jesucristo en la cruz. The first thing we notice is that when Jesus says it is finished, he has been hanging on the cross now for six hours. Jesús ha estado colgando en la cruz por seis horas. And he has been there as the substitute for men and sin. Él ha estado ahí en esa cruz como sustituto para el hombre y para el pecado. And so when he says it is finished, he is speaking of the physical suffering that he endured in those hours leading up to his death. Cuando él dice, consumado es, él está refiriéndose a la, al sufrimiento físico, el cual él cumplió con su cruz. That death, so that ex, the excruciating torture of a Roman crucifixion was now finished. He's speaking of the end of his suffering for sin and for mankind. El habla del fin de su sufrimiento para el hombre y para la humanidad. He speaks as well of the end of his exile from heaven and being a, a man on earth. Habla también del fin de su exilio del cielo y su, uh, su uh, peregrinaje aquí en la tierra. His pilgrimage had come to an end. He was on the earth only as a passerby, as a pilgrim, representing man, but it wasn't to be his final abode. And so this marked the end of his earthly ministry and life. It marked also the end of the suffering endured by his persecutors and his detractors. También marcó el fin de, de aquellos que lo habían perseguido y los que habían hablado de él. I don't know if you can imagine the uh, fact that Jesus, everywhere he went, was followed by people who were looking for a reason to accuse him, looking for a reason to put a finger on him. Había siempre alguien buscando a cómo acusar a Jesús. Entonces, esto es el, term, el último momento de su persecución. This will be the final moment of his human persecution by men and by leaders of the nation of Israel. This would be the end of his sufferings that would began at Gethsemane. Estas serían uh, las últimas de sus sufrimientos, las cuales comenzaron en el Gethsemane. If you recall, at Gethsemane, Jesus went three times before God. The first time he went before the Lord and he said, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. He came out from that experience and he, he saw his disciples who he had asked to pray with him for a little while. And he said to them, when he found them sleeping, he said, Wake up, you, you need to pray with me a while. Could you not watch with me for even an hour? And then he went in again 
And this time he went in again and he prayed and he said the same words, Father, if, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Ne nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He came again to his disciples and he found them sleeping. And he uh, said to them, wake up, could you not watch with me? For even an hour, and he went back into prayer. And this time, on the third occasion, the Bible said that as he cried out to the Father, that he was so moved by this cup which he was to take, and that he was so moved by the, by the affliction of separation from the Father, that he began to sweat drops of blood in that garden. He said for the third time, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And then the Bible says that the angels came and ministered to him. And I want you to notice what happened on the third time he comes and he finds the disciples sleeping. And the Gospel of Matthew records that he says to them, sleep on and get your rest. He had come to a place of, of security in what was happening. He had come to a place of rest and, and had come to terms with the cross and with the separation that he was to endure. I want to tell you tonight, maybe some of you, like Jesus, are going through some moment of affliction. And you know when you're suffering, you want everybody to suffer with you. How many of you have been through that? When you have a toothache, you want everybody to have a toothache. When you're hungry, you want everybody to be hungry. When, you are, when you're mad, you want everybody to be mad, right? There's just something about being joined in suffering. But Jesus, when he has been ministered to by the will of the Father, he comes out to the disciples and he says, sleep on. It's going to be okay. You can get some rest. I want to tell you tonight sleep on you can have some rest because Jesus has done the work this marked the end of his sufferings of crucifixion and his separation from God but that was only the superficial end because these words also mark the end of Satan's rule over mankind and over the earth esas palabras también marcaron el fin del de dominio de Satanás sobre la tierra y sobre el pecador. Because you see, when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, they handed the, the land ownership of the earth to the devil. Cuando Adán y Eva pecaron en el jardín del Edén, ellos marcaron o dieron la autoridad de la tierra hacia Satanás. He became the ruler of this world. Satanás se hizo el gobernador de esta tierra. The Bible tells me in the book of Revelation that they handed to Jesus the title deed of the universe because only Jesus the Lamb was worthy to receive that honor. A Jesús ahora se le ha dado el título de la tierra porque él solamente él fue el cordero digno de recibirlo. When he died on the cross, he ended hell and sin's power over the earth. And so tonight you and I have power over hell and sin and the devil because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Esta noche tenemos dominio y autoridad sobre el diablo en el nombre de Jesús. If you run into the devil tomorrow, don't tell him in the name of Pastor Isaac. Don't tell him in the name of Kingsway Church. Don't tell him in the name of Billy Graham. You call on the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus is power. The name of Jesus is authority because only Jesus conquered the devil at the cross. 
This meant also the end of sin's power. También marcó el fin de el poder de la, del pecado. The Bible said that the power of sin is death. El poder del pecado es la muerte. Jesus, by dying on the cross, when he says it is finished, he ended the power of death. Jesús, cuando él dice consumado es, terminó el poder de la muerte. I stand today ready to tell you that there is no power in death against the believer. Ya no hay poder en la muerte contra el creyente. I may preach your funeral someday. You may attend my funeral someday, but don't you worry about it because we will be more alive than ever before in the presence of God and we will be awaiting a physical resurrection from the dead. Come on, somebody. Death has lost its power, sin has lost its power. El poder de la, del, del pecado y de la muerte ha terminado. And it goes even deeper than that. También va más profundo aún. These words tell us that Jesus had fulfilled all of the types and shadows of the Old Testament. Estas palabras nos anuncian que Jesús ha terminado con todos los tipos y los sombras del Antiguo Testamento. The Old Testament, the lambs, and the altar, and the tabernacle, and the, the Ark of the Covenant were all symbols, shadows of the one who was to come. El Antiguo Testamento, el Arca del Pacto, los corderos, la sangre, todo era un tipo, un símbolo de el que vendría. So when Jesus came and said it is finished. Cuando Jesús dijo consumado es. Él estaba diciendo este es el último de los sacrificios. He was saying this will be the last of the sacrifices. You won't need an Ark of the Covenant. I am the Ark of the Covenant. You won't need a lamb. I am the lamb. You won't need a temple. I am a temple. Come on somebody. He was saying I have made an end to all of the shadows. Of the old law. El había cumplido todos los tipos. De la ley antigua. This meant not only that. But it meant the end and the fulfillment of all the prophecies and promises of the word of God. Estas palabras también significaban el fin y el cumplimiento de todas las profecías y promesas de, el, de el, la palabra de Dios. Let me spell this out for you real clear tonight. Déjeme explicarlo muy claro esta noche. When Jesus died on the cross, his blood paid in full for every promise of the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Even those promises that were not yet written, he paid for them there. Jesús en la cruz pagó todas las promesas de Dios pasadas y futuras en la cruz. Can you bear that in your mind for a moment? Puede usted captar eso en su mente esta tarde? Do you realize that the Gospels had not yet been written? The letters of Paul and the Apostles had not yet been written. The book of Revelation had not yet been written. God had not yet spoken to your heart and to your life. Yet 2,000 years ago at the cross, Jesus paid for the from Genesis to Malachi. And then he also paid from Matthew to revelation so that you could come to the cross and know that it is paid in full. It is finished. Come on somebody. I'm talking about all of the promises of God are complete and finished 
in the blood. Todas las promesas fueron cumplidas en la cruz. You say, Pastor, I still have some promises over my life that are not fulfilled yet. Usted dice, Pastor, todavía tengo algunas promesas las cuales no son cumplidas en mi vida. When you come to a place in your life where you're looking for the promises of God to be fulfilled, just turn back and look at the cross. And what you see on the cross is that that promise is already paid in full. Jesus has already made it available to you through his blood on the cross. These words also mean the end to the law. Estas palabras también hacen, uh, nos hacen saber el fin de la ley. He was saying that the law which governed from Moses until then was now finished. La ley la cual había gobernado desde Moisés hasta ese momento ahora estaba cumplida en él. He would no longer have to come to the covenant of circumcision, for he was the circumcision. He would no longer have to come to the, to the brazen altar, for he was the brazen altar. He would no longer have to come to the labor, for he was the labor that would wash the believer. You would no longer have to come to that, to that uh, lamb offered in atonement, for he was the lamb offered in atonement for the sins of man. He made a complete end to all of the law of God. He made an end to the old covenant. If I could just for a moment let you know what the old covenant was like. This is what the old covenant was built upon. God said, if you, I will. If you, I will. Say that with me. If you, I will. So if you obey, I will bless you. If you obey, I will, I will provide for you. If you obey, I will send rain in due season. If then, if then, if then, if then. The problem was not with God. The problem was that this covenant was made between God and man. And the problem was that man could not keep the if. Man could not do what the law demanded. El problema de la ley es que la ley decía, si tú haces esto, yo hago esto. Entonces el problema es que el pacto de la ley era hecho entre Dios y el hombre. Y ahora el hombre es el problema porque el hombre no puede cumplir la ley. And you say, Pastor, I think I could handle the law of Moses, really. I'm a very disciplined person. But I just want you to remember those New Year's resolutions you made about four months ago when you said, I'm going to go to the gym every week and I'm going to stop eating like I've been eating and I'm going to do all these things. And today they are a long away memory. That is why the law of Moses could not save because the people could not fulfill the if-then proposition of the old covenant but so Jesus came along and on the cross listen now on the cross Jesus ended the old covenant he brought an end to the entire covenant that had been made at Mount Sinai Jesus en la cruz hizo el fin de todo el pacto hecho en Sinai at Sinai it was an if then proposition but now there's a new mountain it is Mount Calvary we read on Sunday that we have not come to Mount Sinai a mountain filled with gloom and doom but we have come to the mountain of Zion the Mount Calvary where there is a new covenant a covenant 
covenant made through the blood of Jesus. What then is the proposition of this covenant? ¿Cuál entonces será el requisito de este nuevo pacto? What is so special about this new covenant that I can enter into it with joy? ¿Cuál será el lujo de este nuevo pacto? Well, here's what it was. At the cross, God and man came into covenant again. En la cruz, Dios y el hombre entraron a un pacto. You say, preacher, that's a problem, isn't it? Because if God and man made an old covenant and God and man make a new covenant, sounds like the same old problem to me. Usted dice, pero pastor, si Dios y el hombre hacen un pacto antiguo y ahora Dios y el hombre hacen un pacto nuevo, quedamos en lo mismo. We're in the same predicament. The only difference is this time the man is Jesus. Ahora la diferencia es que el hombre es Jesús. And Jesus is a sinless man. Jesus is a perfect man. Jesus fulfilled all of the law. Jesús es un hombre perfecto. Jesús es un hombre sin pecado, el cual cumplió toda la ley. And so, the if-then proposition is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Ahora, la propuesta del pacto está cumplida en Cristo Jesús. So, when God says, if you are righteous, then I will bless you. Then you, you, he looks to Jesus and he sees the righteousness of Christ. And he has entered now into a covenant with him because of his righteousness. He says, because Jesus is righteous, I am going to put blessing on all those who follow him by faith. Because Jesus obeyed the law, I'm going to bless all of those who have not obeyed the law but have come to him by faith. Tonight, you and I have come to a new covenant. It is not built on my ability to perform, but it is built on the finished work of Jesus at the cross. Este pacto nuevo, ahora hemos entrado, usted y yo, por medio de la fe, y no se basa en nuestra habilidad para cumplir el pacto, sino en el hecho de que Jesús ya cumplió el pacto. Don't come to me and ask me to offer up animal sacrifices. I can't do that. Don't come to me and ask you, ask me to, to hear your confession. I can't do that. You've got to go to Jesus. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Jesus is the one whose blood made a covenant of peace between God and man. The only reason, the only way that a man can stand upright before God is if that man is standing in the new covenant blood of Jesus by faith. La única manera que el hombre puede estar bien con Dios y si ese, ese hombre está en pacto en fe con Cristo Jesús y ha participado del nuevo pacto. The old covenant was a covenant of works. This covenant is a covenant of grace. The old covenant demanded that you fulfill. The new covenant says it is finished. The work is done and the grace of God is available to all who will believe by faith. It is a new covenant. That means it has made the old covenant obsolete. Es un nuevo pacto. Ha hecho nada el antiguo pacto. 
Not only that, but Hebrews tells us that this covenant is a better covenant. Say that with me. Better covenant. Why is it a better covenant? Hebrews 7.22 tells us that because the old covenant, they, they needed a priest to, uh, to, to shed the blood of a lamb in order for that covenant to be uh, valid. El antiguo pacto se basaba en los sacerdotes. The problem was that the priests were men like you and I. And how many of you have ever had to get used to a new pastor? Now, I know a good number of you can say amen to that, right? You've ever had to get used to a new pastor? Well, in Israel, they have the same problem. A man would become the high priest, and people would get used to him. Either he was, he was gentle and kind, or he was just kind of rugged and, and, uh, and, and straightforward. Whatever it was, they got used to him. They learned to love him. Maybe he was an old man, so they just loved their little old high priest and they just loved how tender he was and then the day would come when the high priest would die and so guess what they had to get used to a new high priest and now a new priest had to go and represent them before God and then sooner or later that guy would die too and so over and over again they had to have a new priest one priest after the other one priest after the other but 2,000 years ago a priest came on the scene and he was to be the last of the priest he was not going to be followed by anybody and so this is why it is a better covenant because that covenant had many priests but this covenant has one priest and he already died and conquered death and he's not going to die anymore he is seated at the right hand of the majesty of God interceding on our behalf it is a better covenant in Hebrews 13 20 says that it is an eternal covenant. That means that this covenant will never end. Es un pacto eterno. Hebreos 13.20 It reads, Now the God of peace who brought, up the, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even our Lord Jesus Christ. The covenant is an eternal one. Este pacto es un pacto eterno. What does that mean, Pastor? It means that from now and forever, the only way to access God will be through His Son, Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to say amen to that tonight. If you are waiting for God to make a new deal, stop waiting. If you are waiting for God to change the means by which he can be approached by man, forget it. God is not going to make a new deal. Jesus is the new deal. Jesus is the last deal. And Jesus is the only deal. You have to come through Jesus. Si usted está esperando otro pacto, Deje de esperar. Jesús es el nuevo pacto. Jesús es el último pacto. Jesus said it, no man comes to the Father except through me. And somebody says, well, no preacher, I'll just wait my turn. 
I'll wait for someone else to come along to offer me a way of salvation. There is no other way of salvation because there will never be another covenant. The blood of Jesus was so effective, so powerful, so strong that it reached forever and forever. Every sinner, whoever comes to God by faith in the name of Jesus will be saved through the blood of the new covenant. I said every sinner. I believe Jesus is coming soon. How many of you believe that? That was so weak. I'm going to try over here. I believe Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe that? But if Jesus doesn't come back for a thousand years. In a thousand years. The only way to God will still be Jesus. And if he didn't come back for 10,000 more years, then in 10,000 years, the only way to God would still be Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus was so effective that it made an everlasting covenant. At the cross, Jesus reached back into time. And he grandfathered in everyone from Adam until the cross. Who had put their faith in the Lamb and he covered them with his blood. And then Jesus reached into the future, 2,000 years before your time, and however many more years to come before the end of the ages. And he reached with his blood and he made a covenant that reached so far that no man, woman, or child would ever be able to go beyond the reach of that covenant. It is an eternal covenant, hallelujah, for the blood of Jesus and the new covenant that reached. Past, present, future. So effective was his death that when he said it is finished, law became grace. And judgment became mercy. And separation from God became unity and nearness to God through the precious blood of Jesus. Tonight we come to the table of the Lord. Jesus, on the night before his crucifixion, sat with the disciples, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. He was quoting from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, who had prophesied that God would make a new covenant with man. Jeremiah said, when God makes this new covenant with man, he will write his law upon man's heart. The old covenant could not change the heart. But Jeremiah said, this new covenant will change men's hearts. Tonight, you are a witness, and I am a witness, that Jesus changes Men's hearts. Is there anybody in here who can say that? Anybody in here had a heart transplant? Jesus changes men's hearts. The old covenant could only tell you, don't, do, do, don't. But the new covenant put power within you. So that you can do the will of God. 
and fulfill the will of God for your life. So effective was this new covenant Jesus made with us. He said, God will wipe away the iniquity and the transgression of man's hearts. Do you understand what that means? He's saying God's new covenant with man would be so effective that God would wipe away iniquity. What is iniquity, preacher? Iniquity is the tendency of your sin that you get from your family. Oh, none of you have any iniquity, right? Every family has iniquity. Some have an iniquity called lust. And you look at the family tree and they're all womanizers. You say, ay, ay, ay. Some have a, an iniquity of alcoholism. Others have an iniquity of, of, uh, of vanity and, and pride. Whatever that iniquity is, it's like a stain on the DNA of man. And baby after baby is born with that iniquity. But Jesus says this is the new covenant. The one Jeremiah was talking about. The one that would wipe clean from your life the iniquity. Come on somebody. I'm talking about a powerful covenant. A, a covenant so powerful that it can cleanse your life. It's good enough. It's good enough that Jesus wiped my record. Come on, somebody. I said, it's good enough that Jesus wiped my record. But his blood didn't just come to wipe my record. His blood came to change my DNA. His blood came to change the way I think, the way I live, the way I, lo I love. Come on, somebody. His blood came to change my heart. Hallelujah. I don't even think the way my forefathers thought. I don't even want the things they wanted. My feet don't even go the way they used to go because the iniquity has been washed away. Only Jesus can do that. I said only Jesus can do that. Jesus said this is a new covenant in my blood. And when he came to Jesus, he washed clean your record. And he changed your heart. And he said, from now on, when my kids get together, I want them to sit at a table or meet at a table and participate in the new covenant meal. I want them to eat bread, which will remind them that this Bread was my body. My human body exposed to torture on a cross and broken for man. And I want them to remember that this cup is my blood. The blood I shed for their sins, for their transgression and their iniquity. Jesús en el último día antes de su crucificación dijo, este es el nuevo pacto. Y cuando ustedes celebren el nuevo pacto, quiero que coman el pan. Porque el pan será símbolo de mi cuerpo humano, físico, el cual fue partido por vosotros. Y esta copa será el símbolo de mi sangre. 
la cual yo derramé por tus iniquidades y tu pecado. And for 2,000 years, the church has come near to the table of the Lord. And tonight we're going to do the same. And as we come to this new covenant meal, I want you to know that the bread and the wine or the fruit of the vine cannot save you. Only Jesus can do that. These are the symbols that remind us of what is already done for us at the cross. Would you stand with me, please? Vamos a ponernos en pie esta noche. Would you just lift your hands? Prepare your heart to, today. As you come to the communion, there should be two things going on in your heart. Number one should be an examination of your heart. And when you say, Lord, I want to receive your table with a pure heart. The second thing that should be on your mind is the incredible gratitude that only a sinner saved by grace can know. When you think about the day you were saved and the way you were saved, there should be gratitude in your heart. When you think that he, you came to him bruised and battered, broken and covered in sin, and he did not say, if you do this, I'll do that. But he said, come unto me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You came to him covered in iniquity, and he said, come, I'll make you clean. That's the gratitude that only a sinner saved by grace can know. Would you just fill your mouth with thanksgiving for the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.